Okay. My cord's over there. Okay. Yes. Okay, good.
want to welcome you here tonight for our Christmas Eve service. Thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, we want to look to the Lord as we we pray tonight. Would you stand with me? And um, let's open up our hearts. Our theme tonight, you should have received a program when you came in. Our theme tonight is the small things of Christmas. And we thank God tonight for his work in our lives and um, his ministry to us through the sending of his son, Jesus, who came in such a small package, right? We'll talk about that tonight. But, um, but he did, he's done such marvelous things in our lives. And so let's, let's just open our hearts to him as we pray. So Father in heaven, I'm just praying your blessing upon this service tonight, asking that you be with us here as your people, that you administer into each and every life, God, that you would speak to us tonight through your word and through the hymns and songs that we will sing, through the scriptures that are read this evening. Just touch your people, God. Minister to each one. And we pray that through all that we do tonight, that you would receive glory and honor as the angels sang so long ago. We say glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest for your incredible work in our lives. So bless this time together. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin with our scripture reading. I believe Gary is going to start us off. Thank you, Gary. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to all the world that it should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the son of the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Oh 
you want me to read now? Okay. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord sh- shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, that we will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel of multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom is he, with whom he is pleased. Amen. You may be seated.
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Mortals sleep in the 
shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Let 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We worship Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Just want to say thank you to the team here with us tonight. They have worked so hard the past few weeks um, to prepare for us tonight. Can we just thank them? Amen. Amen. Just a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to receive this evening's offering. I ask our ushers if they would please prepare themselves at this time. And um, just a, a, a couple of announcements for us. Do want to encourage you to be with us Sunday morning. Um, so I know it's the day after Christmas, um, but um, we're going to be here at 10 a.m. There'll be no Sunday classes, um, but we will be here at 10 a.m. for our Sunday morning worship service. I'm going to continue, actually complete our uh, series of messages, um, Christmas according to Matthew. And so you don't want to miss it. You want to be here with your family um, this coming this coming Sunday. A week from tonight is New Year's Eve. We'll be back at 6 o'clock p.m. as we prepare our hearts for stepping into the new year. We're going to receive from the Lord's table as we do so. And um, again, worship and a special message for us that evening. And so do plan to be with us. Bring your friends and family members with you as, as well. And if tonight is your first time here with us at First Assembly, we just want to extend a warm welcome to you. We're so glad you've come to worship with us. And uh, if you would, in the pew rack in front of you, there's a little card that says welcome. If you would be able to take that card and fill that out um, the best that you can, you can um, drop that off in the, in the offering bag or on your way out to one of the ushers. We'd appreciate that so much as that would give to us a record of your visit with us here tonight. And to those of you online with us via our YouTube channel, thank you for joining us as well. And if this is, again, your first time with us, there should be a link in the description there that you can fill out for us and, and just let us know that you're watching with us. And we want to um, reach out to you, just extend a warm welcome to you. Well, I'm going to ask our ushers to come to wait upon us this evening for tonight's offering on this Christmas Eve. We remember the incredible gift that was given to us through the giving of God's son, Jesus. Amen. And so we want to um, honor him through our giving um, tonight. And so, Father, we do bless you and thank you. Lord, for the incredible, indescribable gift that you've given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we just want to worship you now, even through our giving tonight. And so we bring these tithes, these offerings, these gifts to you um, as our act of worship tonight. And so bless this offering, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Even as we give, would you stand together as the worship team leads us in another song?
to that tonight. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us and serving us this evening. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you for each one of you here with us tonight. And um, just a note, um, when you came in, you should have received um, a candle there, and we'll give you some instructions regarding that. Um, we do have to ask parents to please watch your children because their tendency is to take the candles and tilt them, and it's really hard to get the wax off the pews, okay? So um, parents, we just ask you to um, just kind of watch over your kids, and we'll give you some instructions 
uh, regarding that. See, I have a nice big candle here, right? <laughs> so this evening, our theme is the small things of Christmas, the small things of Christmas. And again, reading from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, Micah's prophecy that was then quoted um, in the book of Matthew. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Father, we just pray your blessing over your word tonight. Give us ears to hear what you want to speak to us this evening and hearts ready to receive. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. You know, we've all heard the expression, good things come in small packages, right? And often that is the case. In fact, probably just about every woman here tonight would love to find a small package under the Christmas tree tomorrow, hoping, of course, that inside there will be something extremely beautiful, special, and valuable. And all the ladies said, I mean, I can't guarantee what your husbands are going to do for you, right? And yet, in spite of our knowledge that often good things do come in small packages, most of the time we end up looking for the big things in life. We love to find a big box with our name on it. We strive after the big ticket items. We work to get the big deal. We look to build relationships with the big shots. We strive to make ourselves into something really, really big. But this evening, as we reflect upon the Christmas story, I want us to see that God is not necessarily interested in those things or those people that in our estimation are big. But rather, God often uses the small. Those things and those people that appear to us to be very common, maybe insignificant, even of little value. Many times God brings about his great purposes by means of that which is small. God does some really big things through those things that are very, very small. And so this evening, I want us to look at the small things of Christmas, those small things that God used to bring about the entrance of his son into our world. These are the small packages that God used to bring about his big plan of salvation for mankind. The first of those is a small and insignificant city, a small, insignificant city. We sang about it. Right. As 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 a church, the, the ensemble here sang about it. A small, insignificant city. And of course, of course, when the Magi went looking for the king of the Jews, it was only natural that they that if they were to find the newborn king, that they would first go to the big city. You know, a city of royalty. For it's only common sense that tells us that kings are born in a place of esteem, in a place of great importance, even in a palace. And thus it was only natural that they should first go to Jerusalem and to Herod's court to find the newborn king. In fact, for generations since the time of David, Jerusalem had been the focal point of Israel's history. For it was there that her kings had been born and had lived. It was there that the temple resided. It was to Jerusalem that the devout Jew would, would journey three times a year. In fact, the Psalms are filled with praise for Zion, a name for Jerusalem, and prayers for her well-being. Bethlehem, on the other hand, aside from being the birthplace of David, was a place of little importance. It was not a city, really, but a small town. 
Being five miles south of Jerusalem, it lived in the shadow of its capital. Outsiders wouldn't have known of Bethlehem except in relation to Jerusalem. Oh, you know, Bethlehem is just south of Jerusalem. Like when I tell people I live in Eatontown, where is that? Well, it's about an hour south of New York City, or some maybe I can say, oh, it's, 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 it's not too far from Long Branch, you know? It's no wonder that when Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem and needed a place to stay, that there was no room for them in the inn. For Bethlehem didn't have a convention center or a bunch of hotels. Like many little towns in rural communities, it probably had only one inn. You see, Bethlehem was small. It was insignificant. It was hardly the place that one would expect the birth of a king, no less the Messiah. And yet the prophet Micah foretold that God had made the choice as to, as to the, the place from which Messiah would come. And although Bethlehem was small among the clans of Judah, out of it would come one who would be the ruler over Israel. For you see, God didn't need the importance of a capital city. He didn't need the prestige of a royal city. He didn't need the resources of a city known for being the economic or, or industrial center of the nation. But God could use and did use a small, quiet, unimportant, even insignificant town as the birthplace of his son. As we sang earlier, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You see, God used a small, insignificant city, a small city out of which came something very, very big. But secondly, we find through, through the Christmas story here that God used a small, inconspicuous couple, a small, inconspicuous couple, after all, who were Joseph and Mary? What were their qualifications? What kind of influence did they have in their synagogue, in their community, in their nation? What were their goals in life? What did they know about child rearing? Who did they know? What could they do? What could they provide? You see, those are some of the questions that we might have asked when looking over resumes of those who had applied for the job of raising God's son. These are the questions we would have asked if we had been given the task of choosing the man and women who would man and woman who would raise the Messiah. But when it came down to it, Mary and Joseph, well, they were pretty much nobodies. They were common people, we could say small, inconspicuous people, people who just blended in with the crowd. They may have been hardworking, but they were surely not rich. They had no public influence. They couldn't even bargain their way into the inn. You know, some people would have just pulled out, you know, come on, you got to have something for me. For most people, a much better choice for the Messiah's family would have been a family of royalty or maybe a priestly family. At the very least, we would have chosen a family of wealth and influence, one which could have given to him the best things in life and maybe a little bit of an edge when it came time for him to exert himself as a leader. We would have looked for a family that could have given him some sort of head start in influencing his world for the kingdom of God. In our minds, Joseph and Mary would have been too poor, too common, too inconspicuous, too small. 
But the prophet Isaiah, you see, had prophesied that the virgin would be with child. And notice he doesn't say what kind of family she would come from or what kind of resources she would have at her disposal. He simply prophesied that the mother of the Messiah would be a young maiden, a virgin. And thus, if you think about it, any young woman, rich or poor, could have thought that, well, maybe it could be her. Maybe it could be her. In God's scheme of things, God chose two very common people. Mary, a young maiden, a virgin, probably 15, 16, 17 years of age. And Joseph, a man who worked with his hands. We, we would say a blue-collar worker, a carpenter. They had no special pedigree, nothing in particular to write upon their resume, just a small, inconspicuous couple. But you see, God was not dependent upon the status of a man and woman in order to accomplish his plan of salvation. He did, he did not need any person's resources. He was not in need of the prestige of royalty or the influence of the priestly. But he could create a holy family out of two common people. He could use an ordinary woman to give birth to his son and a very ordinary man to lead that son into manhood. God could and did use a very small and inconspicuous couple to give birth to and raise the son of God, the savior of the world. You see, through this small, inconspicuous couple, God did something very, very big. And finally, we come to a small, innocent baby. I think if you and I had designed God's plan for the inauguration of the kingdom of God within our world, if we had designed the entrance of the Messiah into our world, I think we would have done it on a little bit of a grander scale, don't you? Something a little bit bigger. We probably would have had the Messiah entering our world as a great ruler, even as a warrior. His coming would, would have made Caesar shake in his boots and would have made Herod look like a pauper. We would have had lots of fanfare, making sure everyone knew the long-awaited Messiah had arrived. He would have come as a big shot. I mean, after all, why send him as a baby? Why wait 30 years for the kid to grow up? Why make him go through all the stages of infancy, childhood, puberty, and so forth when we want to get this kingdom of God thing going? Why let him blend in, to the, in, in with the other kids in the neighborhood? Of course, the people, for the most part, they were, they were looking for the Messiah to show up, first of all, as a man filled with power and might, a king, a warrior. They were looking for one who would come overthrowing the kingdoms of this world as he established the kingdom of God. They were looking for one who would display his power and destroy Rome. They hardly anticipated that their long-awaited Messiah would arrive as a baby born in a stable, wrapped in rags, laid in, a, in an animal's feeding trough. They hardly anticipated that their Savior would come as an innocent baby boy. In fact, no one knew that night of his arrival except his parents and a few shepherds. But here's the thing. God was not out to prove his might, power, and authority to mankind. He was out to demonstrate his love. God's desire was not to condemn. His desire was to save. And his purpose was not to destroy, it was to bring life. And how could he best do that? Not, become, not by coming as a warrior or a ruler, but rather he would best accomplish the desires of his heart. He would best communicate to us his love and his desire to save us by becoming a man just like us. And that meant starting out at the beginning, becoming a baby 
Amen. Entering our world as every other human being does, helpless, dependent, and completely innocent. I love the way Max Lucado put it in one of his books. He wrote it this way. It all happened in a moment, a most remarkable moment that was like none other. For through that segment of time, a spectacular thing occurred. God became a man. While the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. God as a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. For God had come near. No silk, no ivory, no hype. To think of Jesus in such a light, well, it seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? It's much easier to keep the humanity out of the incarnation. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and the muck of our world. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. The Son of God, as he took on flesh, he left behind his divine strength and power and took on the helplessness of a baby. God chose to use the innocence of a baby, a small, innocent baby, to bring about the entrance of his son into our world. But through and through this small, innocent baby, you see, God did something very, very big. Can you say amen? And so as we look at the Christmas event, we find that God consistently used small packages to accomplish his great and eternal purposes. And in fact, as we look through the scriptures, we find that God often chose the small over that which was big. If you remember, he chose a nation of slaves to be his light to the world. He chose the youngest of Jesse's eight sons, David, to be king over Israel. He chose fringe people to be his prophets. He chose a little boy's five loaves and two fish to feed the 5,000. He chose a group of men who, for the most part, were unlearned and rugged in their ways to bring the gospel to the world. And I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. For not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble by birth. In other words, not many of you were big shots. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Tonight, we don't boast in ourselves. We boast in the Lord, amen, in what he has done. Listen, church, too often we look for the big shots and the superstars of our world and look to them to do great things. We look to them. Oh, if only they would come to know the Lord. Think of the great things that would be done. But the principle still holds true today. God is not in need of superstars, not superstar actors, musicians, not superstar pastors. He does not need those of great wealth. 
He does not need the man or woman of great influence or unprecedented talent in order to accomplish his purpose. God is not necessarily looking for the big things or the big shots in order to accomplish his plans and purposes for our world. He is still more than able to use that which is small. And notice how he does it. He takes that which is insignificant inconspicuous and innocent, that which is so common and so easily overlooked. And as he brings his presence and his anointing, he works, he works to accomplish something incredibly big. And so guess what? Bethlehem is no longer some insignificant town unable to be found on a map. But even today, it's a place of which we sing and to which thousands of people journey each year. Kim and I were there a few years back. Mary and Joseph, once inconspicuous and unknown, are now revered and known throughout all of history as those whom the Lord chose to raise his one and only son. And that little innocent baby born in such a helpless state turned all of history around and today reigns in glory. And he is the one who will one day return to bring about the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. So that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here's the thing tonight. First of all, I want to say to each one of us here in this place, those who are online with us, God loves you no matter who you are, no matter how small or insignificant you may feel. In fact, before God, there are no big shots. And so guess what? You don't need to prove yourself to God. He's already sent his one and only son for you to be your savior and God wants you to know him and to be saved by him, no matter who you are, no matter how small you may be. Listen, Jesus is the one who said God sees and cares for even the smallest of sparrows. Will he not see and care for you? There's no one too small for God and for his grace tonight. There's no one too small for his love and his care. No one too small for his salvation. No matter who you are, no matter your status in life, if you'll look to him in faith, even this evening, he will come into your life and he will do something really big as he forgives you of every sin and makes your life completely new and even gives to you the hope of eternal life. And the second thing is this. that We need to understand God can use you. He can use me. He can use us no matter who we are, no matter how small you may feel. For he's not looking for those of wealth or influence or talent or power. He's simply looking for those who are available to him. Those who, like Mary, will say, I am the Lord's servant. Those who, like Joseph, will obey his word. You see, God is still able to work through that which is very, very small to accomplish something that is very, very big. And so if you would but give to God the small things of your life, he just might surprise you with the big things he'll do in you, he'll do through you. Listen, you don't need to wait until you become this or become that in order to be used by God. But God can use you right where you are, who you are begin to turn your world around to influence people all around you for the sake of his kingdom to minister his grace and his love so God loves you no matter how small or insignificant you may feel 
And God can use you no matter how small and significant you feel. Because God still takes small things and is able to do something really, really big. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Come on, aren't you thankful for that tonight, church? What a wonderful God we serve. Would you bow your heads with me? I'll ask the worship team to come. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to encourage you, if you know the Lord tonight, maybe just begin to pray. Maybe thank him. Say, God, I just thank you for the wonderful things, even some of the big things you've done in and through my life. Things I don't deserve, but it's all according to your mercy and your grace. Maybe tonight you need to say, like Mary did, Lord, Lord, here I am. I'm the Lord's servant. I give myself to you like Joseph saying, God, I want to obey you. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to God through faith in his son, Jesus. And tonight can be your opportunity to experience the big things he's able to do in your life. To bring to you forgiveness for every sin. To begin to turn your life around so that you, one day you can say, yeah, you know what? There was that time when Jesus stepped into my life and old things passed away and all things became new. That God begins to pour into you the hope of his salvation, even eternity with him in heaven. Right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to lead you in prayer. If you'd say tonight, maybe just say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. I need God to work in my life. I need God to work in my life, whatever it is. Maybe you just lift a hand tonight. Right? Just lift a hand right now. I just want, I want to pray for us this evening. And so, Father, you see hands that are being lifted up here in this sanctuary. Some may be reaching out to you in faith for the first time. Some offering themselves to you tonight. God, maybe someone online tonight with us just saying, Lord, would you step into my life? I pray for each one this evening. God, that you would minister your grace and your power. God, that you would just, just assure them tonight that just as you see the, the sparrows and you care for them so much more. You care for us. You see us. You love us. And God, I pray that we would just begin to experience the big things that you're able to do in us and through us. Your gift of salvation. Your forgiveness. Your grace and your mercy. Newness of life. And then to be used by you, God. To begin to influence our world with this wonderful gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we offer our lives to you, as small as we may be, but praying for your presence and your anointing to come upon us, that in us and through us, you might do something very, very big. And it's in the name of your Son and our Savior, whose birth we celebrate tonight, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm going to invite you to take your candles. I'll ask the, the ushers to come at this time. So here's, here's our word of instruction this evening. Right? As, you, um, as your candle is lit, please keep your candle upright. Okay? And if you need, and then when it's your time to light your candle, then you turn to the upright candle next to you and then make yours upright, okay? We understand that? So nobody's tilting their candle once it's, once it's, um, it's lit, 
okay? And that will help us. Parents, we ask you to please kind of watch your kids and help us with that. And the worship team is going to lead us in that beautiful hymn, Away in a Manger, as we light our candles tonight.
Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We look forward to that day, Lord Jesus, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the meantime, we pray, Jesus, that you would work in our lives, that you, the light of the world, would shine into us, that we might shine brightly your grace and your power and your love and your salvation. Let us be like these candles, God, lighting up the world all around us. And so we bless you tonight. We thank you this evening for your presence with us. And I do pray, God, your blessing upon your people throughout the, this Christmas season, especially tonight and tomorrow as many gather with friends and family. We do pray for those who are not able to be with us tonight, those who are sick in body, those who, because of this virus, God, are separated from us. But God, we pray that you would work to minister healing and grace and power. God, that you would comfort and strengthen our souls. And so we thank you tonight. We thank you that you are God who's still involved in our lives and that, Jesus, you are yet Emmanuel, God who is with us. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody said tonight, amen. Come on, everybody said tonight, amen, amen. God bless you. You can extinguish your candles. We would ask you to drop them off on your way out tonight. Amen. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. Merry Christmas to each one. Amen.